Am I allowed to just call you Dan off Absolutely. the bat? So I'm Nathan, by the way. That's me, Nathan. Welcome to Backbone Takeover. We're actually, this is a massive bucket list like tick for us. We've been talking about you guys for years and years. Actually, it goes back, I've got a funny story. All the way back to Frankston, I'm sure you played a few gigs there over the time. Yeah. So yeah, I think our first, oh, maybe not first, the second time coming down to Victoria, we did a show at Frankston Mechanics Hall. Dude. We actually both saw that show. So yeah. it's funny you say that because we were in a band, a local band around that time. We actually were going to support you at a show in Frankston one no day. No way. Thank God it actually got cancelled so you didn't have to watch us. But no, I'm sad. That was actually around dichotomy time, just before yeah. Guilt and the Grief. Like, I actually just want to... I'm a, a bit of a simp when it comes to the Guilt and the Grief. So we actually did our 30 favourite albums a couple of weeks yeah, ago. We, we actually posted that and I actually gave that number one. So is oh, that, wow. Holy is that shit. blasphemous? Like, am I allowed to do that? or? As in, well, I mean, it's... Well, you might have angered some people because it's not an album, it's an EP. <laughs> it's an so EP, I know. Oh, technicalities could get a little complicated. <laughs> um, no, it's cool. Like, I love the fact that... Um, it's funny, like, a few people said to us, like, when we got to our... Uh, to doing our first LP, I had a, a few friends say to us, like, that they kind of almost already felt like we'd done an LP because, like, they just thrashed the, oh, dude. the EP so much, which was really nice. Well, that but it was, that um, set you off, didn't it? Yeah, it was, um, it, it changed a lot of stuff. And, I mean, yeah, obviously, we're, these days, we, we're much more stoked about playing the album tracks, of course, because then you're in pressure. And, like, I feel like we, we see them as more of an evolution. But, like, yeah, I mean, I would never be anything but stoked for anyone to say that they still really love and, like, pump the, the EP because, I mean, we're still super proud of it. So. Oh, you should be. It's yeah, a sensational it was, um, release. It's so important, I reckon, in the scene, like, the actual modern scene, the way it's actually growing. So, yeah, I reckon you promoted a heap of bands from that. But um, I actually want to talk a little bit of drums. I'm actually a drummer myself. Oh, so, how long do you go back playing drums? When did you start? Oh, it's, uh, it's probably going on 18 years now. Um, I started playing drums when I was about 10 or 11. Um, and my, my introduction to it was that just that my mum is a, is a music and art teacher. Beautiful. And um, one time when I was kind of just hanging out in her um, school office, like in the holidays when she was doing some work, she just to keep me from like, you know, getting too bored. She yeah. Kind of just put me in the music room and said, I'll teach you a basic drum beat because she knew I was kind of interested in it. And I was already kind of Listening dab to dabbling with stuff. her. Not, honestly, at that point, I don't think I was. Like, I think the only like... Yeah, like rock band that I actually listened to at that point is probably Blink One Eight Two. Yeah, okay. And then, well, Travis Barker. Yeah, and so he and he ended up. Yeah, he was you know my first kind of ever favorite drummer um, for that reason. But yeah, even when I so I kind of learned some basic beats and then taught myself a few things over the years. And then yeah, that kind of was right around the time that then um, coincidentally a few of my best mates in primary school were also getting heavily into pop punk and like American nice. Idiot had just dropped. Oh, dude. And, you know, uh, Blink's, <laughs> Every single Blink's one of greatest us. hits was like still pretty fresh. Yeah, well. yeah, So yeah. like uh, we were just thrashing that stuff and learning all those tracks and kind of that was my, yeah, my introduction. Evolution. Kind of foundation for playing drums was just playing, yeah, like, like Blink and Green Day stuff essentially. And then when I got into high school and discovered more bands and stuff and people were putting me onto all this stuff and I met other people that played drums because I was the only person I knew that played drums being in every band around (laughs) very needed (laughs) yeah and so I got to high school and like yeah discovered a whole bunch of metal stuff and also played in like jazz band and marching band at school and just kind of like just got to try out a whole bunch of different styles and do some more diverse stuff so yeah I think that kind of helped create a kind of a foundation of what I do now. Um, I was going to say, yeah. how did you like progress with your double kicks? Like, do you remember your first song playing double kicks? Or? Def, I, I think learning learning to play double kick is probably like one of the stands out in like one of those periods oh, in dude. my life that I'll never forget of like as a drummer. Like, I think that's like, I always tell like, I always tell my drum students when they're trying to get really heavily into double kick, I just like to warn them. I'm like, just so you know, like we're going to, we're going to, we're going to get this. Like, yes. Just so you know, this is, this Not is easy. probably the hardest thing I ever did on drums was learn how to play double kick. Because when I started playing double kick, 
I was still playing um, heel down style techniques, so which is like how I how I learned or just by default because I didn't know any different. Yep. Um, and when it came to playing double kick, I soon discovered that playing with your heels resting on the back of the pedal doesn't work for very long. No. <laughs> and um, so the first maybe two years of owning a set of double pedals, which is probably when I was about 13 or 14. Yep. Um, I was struggling and I like I had to completely, I, I must have watched hundreds of hours of videos of people like you know explaining how they set their pedals up or just you know watching videos of great drummers and trying to tensions and stuff yeah yeah and and commenting on youtube oh yeah what's your tension on your pedals like you know stuff like i was that kid and um yeah had to over like a course of a couple of years like completely reevaluate the whole way i played uh kick drum and it it definitely like it definitely broke me a few points where i was like this is never gonna happen well and it I, has I remember, yeah, <laughs> luckily like i remember like yeah just just you know some of those parkway tracks like yeah oh, boneyards yeah. and idols and anchors being like really big milestones just to be able to get the syncopation in the feet and the breakdowns and yep. the control to do that or like end of heartache or like that was my first song playing double kick there you go yeah see that was a huge one to oh me. god that's yeah. actually one of the first songs i teach my students now like on double kick like, that's a perfect intro it's like, a great tempo for yes it. just in the right range and um yeah no, it's well that's actually one of the things i love about teaching is like being able to take the songs that were really important to me in helping me learn the stuff that i do now and being like i promise you if you work on this song in a few months your double kick is going to go from here to here dude you, know, you might have to teach me like, again <laughs> like backcountry by avenge sevenfold oh god like yeah a huge one at the time for me or where like, does the rev sit in like old times oh he's know, probably my favorite drummer we actually just we just hit 12 years since the rev died That's, yesterday i saw that man. Yeah, he, um, i mean the rev is the reason i like the way i explain it is like i started playing drums because of like Travis, Trey Cool, and Ringo. Oh. And I play metal because of the rev. Oh, like, that's there you kind go. Of like, yeah, so like, that was the big trend. Like when I found uh, Avenged and like his drumming just changed everything for me. And that led to Slipknot and Lamb of God and of all those other bands that are now, yeah, super, Adler. super My God. important. Yeah, I was a big Chris Adler guy as well. Um, yeah, the rev's right up there. I mean, especially as like a composer and songwriter as well. Like I think it's really cool. Like if you're a drummer who is into the songwriting or um you know writing for other instruments and stuff like that when you see other people in other bands doing that it's really important to see that and realize that it's um you know that's as a drummer you can contribute more than people think that you might so i think guys like guys like him were really really big for me to discover especially at that age and kind of make me go like okay as a drummer you're not just limited to just playing drums yeah, yeah. just writing drums for yep. someone else's riffs yes like you can really you can really shape things if you want to you can build um, the you can actually build songs around your actually drums which is cool yeah um, doesn't happen often but you're a band i, I can tell like with polaris oh, and some of the stuff you guys write that you can actually tell them, that yeah. you've yeah you've actually kick-started that i was actually i want to talk to you a little bit about that yeah sure so obviously with a bit of a layoff like the death of me came out last year. We saw you on the tour in um, at the the forum in yeah. Melbourne, which was like obviously that was a massive show. Like to watch you do that oh, was that amazing. Was, but yeah. um, yeah, like with the actual like, I just want to ask you about like following up the Mortal Coil because for so many people around here, especially that listen to our show, like that is the album oh, for wow. like our oh, like cool. Thank you. yeah. But like following, how hard was that? Like with your songwriting oh, and everything? Absolutely torturous. If yeah. I'm honest, like yeah, writing writing Death of Me was not. It wasn't a fun experience, but it was like, I mean, writing an album, I think people, people like are sometimes surprised to hear that, but like when it comes to records, but you know, the more you are, yeah, listen to interviews with a lot of other bands about their favorite, uh, or you know, their biggest records, like I've realized that, yeah, having really struggling in the studio is not an unusual experience. No. We were, for us, I mean, there was a combination of factors like, you know, writing the Mortal Coil was insanely difficult following mm. up Death of Me as oh. well for the same reason. Yep. Um, and then once that 
did as well as it did and kind of still surprised us by how well it did. We obviously um, it put a lot of pressure on ourselves. And um, it's always that thing like we, you know, we didn't feel like we'd fluked it. We felt like that our, songs, what you're our songs, you know, were, were good enough. But yep. we also were like, we are, we're very aware of the fact that you know, you still get those doubts where you're like, have we, has this happened by chance? Like, can we replicate that level of um, engagement with the fans? Can we replicate that level of connection with the songs? And um, I think also, um, sorry, I'm losing my train of thought. No, it's fine, dude. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I think, um, yeah, going into Death of Me, it was, it was a combination of that uh, and also the fact that we had, for the previous two years, we'd been, basically hadn't stopped touring. Uh, oh, we, yeah, you've we, been relentless. Yeah, those. I think we, we played something like close to, I think over 200 shows in those two years on, on the Mortal Coil cycle alone. Um, probably probably more, actually. It might have been around 250. I can't remember. We I tried to count them at one point. <laughs> you um, go back, deep dive. But, yeah, so it was like we just hadn't really had a break and we were riding in all of our little breaks, but it just didn't feel like enough. Didn't come so, to, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's um you can't force so, some bands can get in the studio and say like all right in two months we're gonna have an album yeah we can't do that that just doesn't work for us like we are too we're too fussy and picky and meticulous and annoying yeah and like we just yeah we get we get really in deep and we get real stressed about it it's it can be really honestly it was a really like anxiety ridden time for all of us in different ways but and i don't want to say like that's what you have to do to make an album because not every album has to be like that but like i said a lot of our favorite albums i know have been made under um extreme uh torturous stress yeah, yeah. well some and, producers um, actually rec- like, no, don't recommend it yeah. but they bring it out of bands the and Ross actually Robinsons of yeah well and stuff yeah. You, you read his corn stories and stuff oh, and it's yeah. just like oh my god throwing plant pots at people <laughs> yeah. fucking making him get in the booth naked and cry orgies and stuff yeah. oh dude <laughs> they got some kid like honestly when you read <laughs> that but like yeah. now like you guys are the, like coming through as that generation's band like with the, the new age of like metalcore i was actually thinking the other day i saw it was cancelled but the impericon tour that you actually headlined like you yeah i know it got cancelled but how does that feel to be able to go there and Oh, it's amazing. That I mean, was a really good bill. And we're going to take some Aussie bands build. like Gravemind and Stepson down the bottom. It was sick. Yeah, we were really excited about that too. And we got to, yeah, we got to um, kind of have a bit, you know, not not pick the entire lineup, but have some say in the lineup. Yeah, um, nice. And yeah, and we were, we were really excited. We were going to be taking, yeah, two friends bands over for their first time in Europe. And yep. we were like, wow, we've got like three out of seven Aussie bands. It's amazing. It's amazing. It was a great bill. Um, and it, it also felt amazing because it was... Uh, our first European tour, when we dropped the album, when we dropped Mortal Coil, we literally arrived in Germany that day and started uh, the Empiricon Never Say Die Tour 2017. Yes. Um, Looking back at that, so, that was a great bill as well. Yeah, that was a cool <laughs> bill. So we, we made some like... Making yeah, friends and stuff. Yeah, we made like lifelong friends on that we still talk to. Like literally every band on that on that lineup, like we're still, we still chat to and stuff. And um, yeah, so it was, I think for us to go from being the first band on on that bill to two years later headlining. getting to headline that exact same festival was just a gnarly idea but um yeah look unfortunately it didn't work out but we are hoping to be able to go ahead with some kind of yeah european headline next year that we've been it's been you know rescheduled five times or whatever Fantastic. <laughs> um but yeah we're hoping that 2022 is the year where we finally get to see where we're at as a headline band in europe because we europe's been a really well, Death of um, Me hasn't really happened over in Europe. I was reading no. r- one of Rick's interviews during the week and like I-, I was really fascinated by that. Yeah. So that's exciting for you to actually get there to see, like you say, where you're at. It's so strange. Like the album's two years old now. And like, yeah, like I said, in the in the two years of the previous album, we played so many shows and we got to that point where we were... Kind of sick we of the songs? Almost <laughs> sick of them. Like, yeah, we still, <laughs> still love, love them, of course, we but were, yeah. We were really ready to start playing some new stuff. And now it's like we've been two years on and we've played a total of... 13 shows crazy isn't it <laughs> it just doesn't make sense so it's such a relentless touring it, it's band it's cool because like you know it does mean that we are it's going to feel really fresh yeah 
when we get up and play it, like, or fresher than it should after two years, you know, we get to kind of still treat them like they're new songs. Um, but at the same time as well, it's funny because I know that some fans have been listening to those songs for two years straight. And Waiting to, for the to moment. Them, to them, it's not new anymore, but yeah. I really... Um, I'm, I'm really excited to kind of get to reinvigorate the songs live and stuff like that. Like I always say to people, like you, you just don't even really know your own songs until you play them in front of a crowd. Like it's like, everything is almost like, even after you finish a record and it's out among the people in your, in your head, it's almost still just this idea that needs to be put in front of them in person to really make sense. So like, that's, I think just what we're super stoked for is just getting to finally trial out this stuff and hear, hear all those, uh, all those delicious European accents singing the, uh, singing Oh, the it's going to be great, dude. Well, they actually have better voices than Aussies, as you know, with the sing-alongs, but I, I really appreciate you joining us on Backbone Takeover. It's a Thanks massive bucket list thing for us to actually get to talk to you guys. So oh, no worries. good luck for the show at night and day, obviously in the castle and all the best for 2022. With what Thanks man. Happens, so. Good luck. Cheers. Cheers.